Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Candid Catholic Convos. Have you ever looked up at the sky and wondered, are we alone in the universe? I mean, it is a pretty big and beautiful universe. Surely we can't be the only intelligent life form out there, right? There's an entire genre of films in Hollywood dedicated to this very thought. Independence Day, the Alien Trilogy, E.T., Signs, Men in Black, War of the Worlds, Arrival, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The movie nerd in me could go on and on, but I'm pretty sure you get the idea. The point is, this concept has fascinated humans going back centuries, including doctors of the church. And in this age of information, theories and evidence and entire television series are easier to find than ever, posturing the potential for life on other planets or that they've been to Earth before and impacted our existence for eons. So is it possible that God created more than one intelligent species of being? And if so, how would this impact our faith? Or is this whole concept just an elaborate attempt to distract us from our ultimate goal? Today, I'm super excited to welcome back Father John Zeta, our diocesan exorcist, about the possibility of extraterrestrial intelligence in our universe and how the potential revelation of life on other planets could impact our faith. Father Zeta, thank you so much for making the time to come back to the podcast. I, I love having you on. Like The conversations that we have are just so... Like they just get the gears in my brain going and I just, I love it. And I just really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk with us again today. My pleasure. Always. Thank you. Today, we're going to be talking about extraterrestrial intelligence or ETI. That's kind of like a new term because it always used to just be called ET. I mean, there was a whole movie about it, but now they're referring to it as extraterrestrial intelligence. And I'm kind of curious because it, it seems to be a big topic now with things happening in the government and everybody knows about Area 51, but is there evidence in the church, whether it's through scripture or through teachings, to suggest that the top minds of Catholic teaching have taken the topic of extraterrestrials seriously? I mean, do they do they shed light on this anywhere? Well, you know, first of all, the, even the very idea of genuine space travel is a relatively new phenomenon in human history, right? Um, and uh, so I don't think it was a, a subject that ever came, seriously came up, all right, first of all. So second of all, I remember in the seminary even, believe it or not, in one of our classes, uh, the question was actually raised, right? But we're dealing with something that we have absolutely no real evidence for, and so we really don't have any genuine theological material to think about, 
you know, to really work with, to really deal with. So I think that's that's important. By the way, you mentioned um, you know the movie ET years and years ago, and um, and I think it's a it's a good starting point because you know I wonder how many people realized that that whole movie was a Christ movie, that the figure of ET was the figure of Christ. And, um, you know, you can go through piece after piece after piece, and you can figure out coming from the stable, coming from you know. The healing, the sacred heart, the death and resurrection, the whole thing is the Christ story. So it's 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 good that people can look at it from that perspective as well. Uh, I think there's something else too, and, and you have to keep this in mind. We talk about um extraterrestrial intelligence. Oh, okay. We have a couple of different things that are involved in. For example, what distinguishes human beings? from any other form of life on earth i would say the that we have souls well believe it or not the soul is the essence of a living thing in other words all living things have souls a plant has a soul an animal has a soul okay the difference is that human beings have immortal souls souls that will not die living things um other than human beings their soul dies when they die right for us as human beings, then we have an immortal soul, and that's that's what's important. In other words, there's no real problem with the idea of uh, life on other planets, right? Because all living things have souls, right? But we're talking about a different kind of animal when we talk about human beings, because the thing that differentiates us in this sense then is the idea of self-consciousness, self-awareness. Animals, even though they have souls, they're not self-conscious, which is the reason why, you know, your dog sees its reflection in the mirror and starts barking because he thinks it's another dog. It doesn't realize that it's a reflection of itself. And human beings are the only creatures on earth that can do that. And that differentiates us from animals. So on the one hand, we can say, okay, so could there be life on other planets? Sure. Um, I don't have any problem with that at all. But the question becomes, uh, is this form of life capable of self-consciousness? You know, are they really intelligent in that sense of the word? You know, all kinds of animals are very intelligent. Our dogs, our cats, our elephants are highly intelligent creatures, right? But they're not intelligent in the sense that human beings are intelligent. There's a real, real distinction between those, right? So I, I think those are very, very important um, considerations to take into account uh, when we're talking about, you know, life on other planets, so to speak. I had never thought of, I've seen E.T. so many times. I love that movie. I love Steven Spielberg as a director. And I don't know why, but it never really occurred to me as though it was a Christ story. And now that you phrase it that way, I'm like, it is, it, it absolutely is. And then like I had known um, the story of Superman, the Superman movie with Marlon Brando, like that was, he specifically did it as though it was the story of Christ. So I, it's just really fascinating to hear you put it that way and to come to the realization that all living things have a soul is, blows my mind because it's, it, it is something that I hadn't really thought about. Like I, like my dog, I, I consider him almost like another person just because he has his own mm -hmm. personality. But it just never, it's just these things that just never really occurred to me or things that I hadn't been taught that is just so mind-blowing. So that you're right, that when you think of intelligence on another planet, like what kind of intelligence are we talking? Like my dog can be trained, but 
point. So now you take it one step further, right? So let's say um, we're talking about these experiences with these um, extraterrestrial beings, supposedly, you know, flying saucers and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and, and I will um, confess to having seen those kinds of things myself, right? The unexplainable aerial phenomenon, you know, I have seen them years ago in my, in my own experience. So the first question I would ask myself is, if these creatures are so super intelligent that they are capable of interstellar travel, all right, you're talking about the kind of technology that has to be super advanced, way beyond anything that we can even begin to imagine, right? Because there's certainly no, you know, planets close by to us that would be, you know, inhabitable in that sense, in any sense, really. First of all, what would they want here? <laughs> what would they be doing here? You know, what's their whole point of coming here um, if, if they are so super intelligent that they are capable of interstellar travel? You know, so I, I think that, you know, that's a question I think that has to be asked. You know, why, why are they here? What would they want? Why would they even bother? You know, it doesn't, if you really think about it logically, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So that leads then to the other side of the coin then, you know, is it possible then that these experiences are not really experiences of extraterrestrial intelligence, but might in fact be uh, demonic lies, illusions, if you will, or, or tricks that demons would play on us. And the interesting thing about it is the Lord himself said to us in scripture that when he comes back, there's going to be these signs in the stars and in the skies. I, I have a, have a gut feeling, you know, not a scientific or a theological, but I have a gut feeling that many of the experiences that people are having are actually experiences of the demonic as opposed to some kind of super intelligent extraterrestrial beings. I, you know, and and it, that leaves me open. I certainly have no problem with, you know, is there possible um, life on other planets? Like, you know, even intelligent life, maybe. But, you know, it leads us to, to other issues as think as well. So, um, but I, I suspect that what most people are experiencing is actually demonic delusions and not real extraterrestrial intelligence. Can you expand on that a little bit for me? Like, what are the parallels that you are either seeing from your experience having, you know, very intimate knowledge of demonic possessions, or you mentioned having your own personal experience with lights in the sky, natural. Yeah. Um, what what would you say kind of leads you to that gut feeling of it's not this, it's it's demonic activity? Well, I, I think there's I think there's a couple of problems, so to speak. For example, when you're talking about demonic oppression or possession on Earth, first of all, you're dealing with something in which uh, human beings would have done something that opened the door to some sort of demonic influence, either from the or from the incident. But when we're talking about these kinds of phenomena, and I think it's just demonic tricks, if you will, um, in order to prey upon human imagination, to prey upon the weakness of human faith, all right, to prey upon so many of our own weaknesses that they will try to appear in other forms, you know, rather than um, attacking us individually. 
And so I, I think that, you know, there's a real distinction between the two, all right? While, you know, there are certain characteristics that seem to be in common between them, I think there's also some real serious distinctions between them as well. That's so fascinating. And I think I, I kind of, I'm kind of inclined to think the same sort of train of thought as you in that they, they're starting to get creative in how they manipulate us um, before it was just, you know, not necessarily super original in their tactics. And because of our doubting Thomas tendencies, we need to be, we need to be shown and proven something that um, they're starting to manipulate us differently, which I think is just terrifying, but also fascinating. And that's where the real danger is because people get fascinated by this kind of stuff. And that's exactly what draws them in. And once they're drawn in, and they can be manipulated. And that's exactly the demonic trick. So I want to back up a, a second about the church's belief in this. And you mentioned that you had even studied this a little bit in, in seminary. Um, in my research, I found that St. Thomas Aquinas actually postured, you know, mostly under the influence of Aristotle's philosophy and science that, yes, God could create multiple universes, but that he had not, that the universe, the way we know it now is, is more perfect this way. But he was open to the idea that other planets were animated or had souls, like we had mentioned that all living creatures have souls. Um meaning there could be extraterrestrial intelligence or even just other soul, other creatures with souls living beyond the earth, regardless of what level of intelligence they have. So what would that mean for the redemption and salvation of these potential creatures? And could that mean that the son of God could be incarnate more than once? Well, I, I would think no. And, you know, I would like to uh, talk about E.T., I'd like to shift to a different form of the literature, and I would suggest people to read uh, the Outer Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis, okay? If you've never heard of it, uh, I strongly recommend it. It's a three-volume set. Um, the first one is called Out of the Silent. The second one is called Paralandra, and the third one is called That Hideous Strength. They can usually be purchased as a set. It's called the Outer Space Trilogy. And without giving away the essence of the story, um, but what happened, my favorite is the second book, Paralandra. Paralandra is actually uh, another name for the planet Venus. And uh, Venus turns out to be um, a water world. And on Venus, you have a situation where um, from Earth is actually kidnapped and taken to Venus, all right? And um, the very first human beings have been created on Venus, right? But what's rather fascinating is on Melacandra, which is Mars, the very ancient world, he encounters all kinds of intelligent creatures, but nothing that looks even vaguely human. But on Paralandra, Venus, a very young world, the first creatures there are human. And the question is actually raised, why is it that an answer is very fascinating, I think, that ever since God became man in Jesus Christ, all intelligent life in the universe will be human. It shares in the humanity of Christ. And so, you know, while these are just novels, I think they give us some interesting theological insights uh, from C.S. Lewis, whom we know was a brilliant theologian in himself. And I, I recommend the books. I think they're very, very um, insightful 
in some of the questions that you raised. So anything before the coming of Christ, if there are intelligence in the universe, not necessarily humanoid, but after the incarnation, since this is the form that God has assumed on earth, then everything intelligent has to be in the human form because that's the form of God. That is wild. And thank you for that book recommendation. C.S. Lewis is, is a very well-known um, theologian, sure. but also a, a fantastic author. Um, and that kind of answers my next question of would that would that undermine what we believe as Catholics or is it somewhat compatible with the Catholic Church's teaching? And you kind of answered that in that if God chose the form of a human, then all intelligent life would be human. After, after the incarnation, correct. That's what C.S. Lewis posits in those books. And I think there's a good theological basis for saying so. That is just so fascinating. And that it kind of goes on to say that the spiritual and moral status of extraterrestrial intelligence if if they are in fact you know human because of god choosing that form to send his son so with that said what might the spiritual and moral status of extraterrestrial intelligence be and what relationship might they have to jesus christ would you feel comfortable saying well i think you know uh, in a certain sense we already have the answer to that and we can go prior to the creation of humanity, and that was the fact that when God created the angels, they were given a test, and they had to either, you know, accept or reject, and they rejected, and so some of them rejected, and so they became the demons, all right? So as actually comes out in the book Paralandra, these first humans created on, the, on Venus also have a test that they have to, you know, overcome. And so their free will enters into the picture. So I think that, you know, um, if they are, are truly intelligent, self-conscious creatures in other planets, um, they would share, I think, in the redemption to the effect that they would accept the, the whatever that is, the test is that they would be given. But that's clearly uh, brought out in that second volume of that other speech for do you think the confirmation of ETI would cause like a crisis of faith among all terrestrial religions? Or do you think that this would cause a sort of revival and essentially drive people back to religious traditions for guidance? No, I think that, uh, as has been said recently, many times in different verses, um, we have probably the least well-catechized generation of Catholics in the history of the church. And as a result of which, I think people are so far gone already in terms of the loss of faith that I think that um, they would end up probably going off the deep end the other way. I think people would just simply give up on faith altogether because they're already halfway there anyway. Um, and they would probably come up with some new religion. You know, they would invent some, you know, god from the stars sort of thing which a lot of them have already started doing anyway you know um what's it um L. ron hubbard all right and his he did the same thing you know so i think people are already doing that and i think that um if it was proven that there were these intelligent beings from other planets that would only accelerate that process which would only be um the trap into which we would fall that's very interesting and especially like when you think back on ancient religions like the Mayans or um, going back even further, how 
their entire civilizations were were built on these creatures coming from the stars or there there's a whole series i think it's on history mm-hmm. channel about you know ancient astronauts and how how were ever how were these temples built without the assistance of modern or even further advanced right. um, technology and to think about it that way of how those ultimately failed or were not continued further into the future because of not necessarily a new faith and I'm, I'm not sure what the word would be but the, the revelation i guess that those gods were inferior to our god and, and it also comes down to another question one simple question one word why why would super intelligent creatures from beyond the stars want to come in and and you know do that kind of stuff on our planet you know what's the point what's the purpose you know um you know we do have the fullness of revelation of god in jesus christ why do we have to look someplace else exactly exactly i mean we have we have very clear evidence why why else sure, sure. given what we know about or or what we've postured about how this could essentially like just drive a wedge even further for those who believe and those who don't believe um if it was confirmed that eti was a real thing and you know mm-hmm. aliens are among us let's go the opposite direction how could thinking about eti deepen our faith and enhance our understanding of the church's teaching about god and his creations um jesus christ and salvation and God's ultimate intention for his creatures? I think the answer is real simple. Get back to the basics, get back to our roots, get back to our traditions, which we seem to have forgotten and lost. You know, um, there's a there's a saying which is rather apropos, and that is um, the one who marries the spirit of an age will soon find themselves a widow. And um to the extent that we keep trying to conform to the modern standards, well, you know, the modern standards will quickly become past history. And so we will have to be constantly reinventing our perspectives. And that's completely false. You know, in Christ, we have, you know, Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever, Scripture clearly says. And so we have to hold on to him, hold on to that, and we have to rediscover and so many of the things that we have just simply lost or forgotten over the last, you know, 50 years, so to speak. And uh, I had a, a deacon the other day ask me a question about something in terms of celebrating Mass, and I, I won't go into the specifics, but, you know, I explained to him why I do things a certain way, which most priests do not do today. And um, he, he asked me why I did that, and I explained it to him, and he said, that makes so much sense. I said, well, yeah, there was a reason why those things were done the way they were. We've forgotten those reasons. We've forgotten the deeper underlying meaning behind so much, so much of our rituals, so much of our liturgy. Um, and we don't understand why we do certain things, then we just make it up as we go along, and we become rudderless. We're just kind of floating along, and um, we don't know where we're going. And so we're really willing to you know, go on to the latest thing, the newest in thing, you know. And and so we become, you know, washed adrift. We have nothing to hold on to. So and I think again, I think that's a demonic trick. Um, what's going to happen then is in, in time, the, the greatest 
uncertainty. He's going to try to reveal himself as the answer to all of our questions and the answer to all of our problems. And people are just going to hold on and latch on. There's the coming of the Antichrist, which again, our Lord himself prophesied was going to happen. And I, I'm, you know, suspecting that this all plays in to this same, you know, um, scenario. It's the devil's master plan to bring us and the whole world under his control. He's done a pretty good job of that, actually. Yeah, unfortunately, he's doing a fantastic job. Yeah. But you're right. I think one of my main goals with this podcast is, you know, I feel like the answers are out there. And Absolutely. a lot of us don't, we either don't know where to look or we choose not to look. And the more I learn about it, the more fascinated I am. And I'm like, I just got to shout it from the rooftops that like, hey, it's right here. Like you're looking for answers. They're right here. And there we have the catechism. We have hundreds of thousands of year old documents. We have priests and deacons and seminarians who've all been through the process. They know, you know, how to speak the like, like I don't know how to speak Latin, but I'm sure you do. And we, and we have what I call our tradition with a capital T. With a capital T. We've always been taught that the source of revelation for us is scripture and tradition. Tradition with a capital T. And we've forgotten that. And we need to recover that, rediscover that. Yeah. Right. And there's so much beauty and comfort in the tradition. Well, and the other side of the coin, too, again, is an old saying, you know, if you don't know your history, you don't know who you are. Exactly. You're, or you're doomed to repeat it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me just say two things. First of all, I've got reading the book by the books by C.S. Lewis. I strongly recommend those. And again, if you have a chance, uh, you want to talk about those sometime, great. The second thing I might mention here on the podcast, if anyone hasn't seen the movie Nefarious, please, please see it. All right. And I think you've heard of it, I'm sure. And you've seen it or not um but you know the theology in that movie is 150 percent right on target and so i strongly recommend anybody who wants to really know what the devil is up to watch that movie it's phenomenal it's excellent awesome i will definitely link those in the show notes so that anybody who wants to learn more or to purchase or to go see has easy access to do that so thank you again for taking the time to talk with us about aliens and extraterrestrial intelligence and where the church kind of lies uh in that in that gray zone so thank you thank you so much for taking the time always my joy thank you very much thank you so much for listening our goal at the diocese of harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.